This episode is brought to you by E-Junkie. E-Junkie, the Breaking Bad-themed, no-muss, no-fuss shopping cart solution for the makers of the world. The makers who live in the world, not the people who make the world. Maybe you're an atheist. Now doesn't seem the time to go into it. E-Junkie helps you turn your passion project into an online business with their easy-to-use e-commerce tools that support both digital downloads and tangible goods. Like drugs. Plus, eJunkie has the best support staff in the industry. Start using their lightweight, embeddable shopping cart today. Go to eJunkie.com and start selling. Click that link. Enter the promo code WRITERS, W-R-I-T-E-R-S, to get your 30-day free trial. First 30 days are free. That's how they get you. eJunkie. Now entering... Nerdist.com. Hi, do you want to come out and see the writers and creators and showrunners of your favorite shows that are not on TV but are on alternative TV like Netflix and Hulu? And do you also want to support 826LA? You can do that, both of those things, concurrently on February 21st at a live writers panel with Daredevil showrunners, our old pal Doug Petrie and his co-showrunner, Marco Ramirez, as well as Melissa Rosenberg, the creator and showrunner of Jessica Jones. She also wrote the Twilight movies, so we'll talk about those movies. Need more? Jason Kadams, creator of Parenthood and About a Boy, and the showrunner of Friday Night Lights, and the executive producer of the new Hulu series, The Path, which was created by Jessica Goldberg, who will also be there. This is a huge panel. I hope that all of you will come out and ask these guys questions and talk to them and watch me talk to them and watch them talk to each other. It'll be fun. Go to writerspanel.tumblr.com. I put the link up every day in every post. Writerspanel.tumblr.com or follow me on twitter.com at benblacker. And you will find the link for tickets. This is at the 826LA space in Echo Park, Los Angeles, California, America. And uh, seating is very limited. It's a small, cozy, intimate space. Synonyms. Who doesn't love them? Uh, So get your tickets soon. This is, once again, on February 21st, 5 to 7 p.m. Doesn't even ruin your day. In fact, it'll make your day. Hope to see you there writerspanel.tumblr.com. Welcome to the Writers Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 400 writers on the show, so go back and check the archives. I'm sure you'll find more creators and more shows that you're interested in. I'm a writer myself, having written with my partner Ben Acker for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, FX's Cassius and Clay, among others. We've also written comics from Marvel, Image, Dynamite, and more. We created a show called The Thrilling Adventure Hour. Maybe you'd like it. Go to thrillingadventurehour.com for more info. Let me know who you want to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, like the color, only more so, uh, and follow me on Tumblr at writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a review on iTunes. It always makes me feel good about myself. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker. And it's-
My guest today is Bridget Carpenter, a terrific writer and an absolute delight. Bridget started out as a playwright uh, before finding work in TV on shows like Dead Like Me, Bionic Woman, and then joining the Jason Kadams camp on Friday Night Lights and Parenthood. More recently, she ran The Red Road for Sundance TV and uh, is now the creator of the new Hulu series, 112263 which is the focus of our chat. If you want to hear the first time Bridget appeared on the show, it was way back in 2011 with Peter Gould and Carrie Aaron, who was also from Friday Night Lights. Peter Gould, of course, the co-creator of Better Call Saul, and he worked on Breaking Bad. It was a really fun panel, and it can be found as writer's panel number 10. But enjoy this, then go enjoy that, or the other way around. It's happening. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for having me. You have a lovely home. Yes, it's a little fair. Kids like it. (laughs) No, we are. This is where you did post production for eleven twenty two sixty three. Yes, and um, film in Silver Lake, California. But you've been done for a while, right? Well, no, we just finished post before Christmas. Oh, really? Yeah. It seems like I listen. I don't know. I've watched some of the Hulu comedies. Casual was great. Yes. Uh, I don't know what they're doing on the drama side. Mm-hmm. But this seemed like a really ambitious show. Yes. You know? And that's why I'm not yes. surprised to hear that Post went for so long. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what your schedule is, but we'll, we can get into that stuff. Yeah. But, like, was there, was there talk about making this as ambitious as it was from the beginning? Like, did, was there the mandate to, we have to go big or go home on this? That was always the intention. I, I know it was JJ's intention. Um, I frankly would have done it any way they would have asked me to do it. Really? If you had said, do it as an indie film, I would have said, yes, I can. Were you, is it because you were a fan of the material? Huge. Okay. Huge. I'm a lifelong Stephen King fan, and I had read this book for pleasure years before they you know, called me. So Bad Robot called me. I said, yes, I will talk with you about this immediately. <laughs> and uh, I talked with them about it until they said, yes, you can do it. <laughs> and, you um, wouldn't let them off the phone. <laughs> phone? I went into the office. I shut the door. I locked it. And I went, I'm so happy you've called. <laughs> Wait, I, so I actually I want to yeah. hear about this because I feel like unless the writer brings the material to the producer or the mm-hmm. studio... There's often not that attachment to the material. You know, you don't often hear about that. It's usually they find their way in or yes, whatever. So. Yes, that has always been what's happened to me. Right? Yeah. That's, there's, it's, a, it's a kind of, hopefully you want it to be a great arranged marriage. Absolutely. You know, I've learned to, oh my God, and yes, so, so a studio or company or a person will say, have you read this or bring something right. to you or say, we have a format my least favorite way of describing <laughs> adaptation. So cold. <laughs> it is. It's like, it totally can is. you make text from this format? <laughs> and I don't want to make text. I'd like to write a story. <laughs> but um, they, Bad Robot and I had known each other. I'm talking about Bad Robot, like, <laughs> right. she's a human being. <laughs> <Not Bad Robot. laughs> the folks at Bad Robot and I had known one another for many years and had not found ways to work together yeah. and, and uh, um, how, how are you on their radar to begin with other than just kind of being around and writing TV JJ and I used to be married 
I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I have known Kathy Ling and Athena Wickham. Mm -hmm. Uh, Athena has uh, since uh, moved on, but um, I've known them for many years. They're two uh, television executives Mm -hmm. and knew them as producers and executives. And they're so smart and thoughtful. And they, of course, I have to say that because they hired me. <laughs> but I would say that regardless. Um, yes, exactly. You get the right went, people. You know what? You have good taste. Exactly. Um, so they called me. They said, do you know this book? I said, I do know this book. <laughs> and they said, would you like to come in and talk to us about it? And I was like, I'll come in today. Today or tomorrow, whatever. <laughs> and I went in right away. And I really didn't have a plan or a big master pitch. Um, I was actually just finishing up with the first season of The Red Road. So I was in the middle of running a show or at a, at a point in running the show. And I didn't care. I mean, it didn't matter to me because I just thought, I love this book so much. I love this material so much. I mean, and I love time travel so much. I am a crazy I'll read anything and I'll watch anything. Really? Oh, I love time How, Why is that your thing? I don't, That's I don't really know. really funny. I don't know. I like heists, too, and mm-hmm. cons. So I don't also... It's not... None of those things are autobiographical. But I... I mean, I, and I, and basically I went in and I said that I said, okay, I'd like to give you a list of my top 10 time travel movies because I love Primer. I love Looper. I love Peggy Sue Gets Married. I love Back to the Future 1. Awesome. I love Back to the Future 3. You know, like I just started going on and I love Somewhere in Time with, with Christopher Reeves. Yeah. I, I find all of, I, I think that I just find it all emotional. There's something that's really mm-hmm. emotional about the idea of going back. It's wishful. Sure. So... I just I went in and I ranted, and then I uh, then combined with my love Stephen King, and I thought that this story, and I think that this story is so epic and yet so grounded, mm-hmm. and I cared so much about the characters, and I thought it captured a piece of America so beautifully. Yeah. It just hit all of my sweet spots, mm-hmm. and so I went in and I um talked at them until they said okay fine and then uh and then I went away then I went away and I had to break it down and figure out exactly how I was gonna sure. do it so, so really that's how that, that happened that first chat was just about your passion for Correct. the material yes and and like you had the track record and clearly they knew you and trusted you yeah I mean I said well the funny thing is too I said I will this is what this is my it wasn't a well thought out plan but I said <laughs> I can do it in four Four oh, and they went okay, and I said because and it would be four ninety-minute episodes. First would be like this, and the mm-hmm. second would be like this, and the third <laughs> would be like this. But the only other thing that I knew about, even though I didn't have a huge breakdown, was um, I knew what I felt about what I thought the miniseries um pace should be. Mm-hmm. I knew what I wanted the pace to feel like because I knew what I felt like reading the book and I was like, that's how you should feel watching it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And what, Would, what, what, can you describe that feeling? Um, it's gallop. I wanted, I wanted us to be, the viewer, us to be behind it. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want us to be yeah. waiting for something that we knew mm-hmm. to, for, the, for our hero to discover it. Um, that can be sometimes really satisfying and suspenseful, mm-hmm. and I just thought that's not this. And yeah. I also thought the other thing, this is something that JJ and I really agreed on, was I, I called him early on and I said, you know, I love voiceover, um, but this is not a story with voiceover. Mm-hmm. 
because voiceover is so, and I, I said that because it's such a single point of view um, show and there's not really a B story it's just you're following your hero um, Jake Epping and there's nowhere else to go but be with him yeah. and in the book that's marvelous because you're with inside his head you hear his thoughts and you hear what he's contemplating and you hear his struggles and and dramatically that translated to um, a man staring at things really hard (laughs) and I knew that again voiceover wasn't going to be my friend because it's reflective mm-hmm. and I did not want this to be a reflective show it's that gallop that's really right. interesting I, so I just went okay and JJ said that yeah that's right that's right I, I agree um, so we got to figure out you know, right. some other way to and let us know what's happening yeah. um, those, that's all I knew mm-hmm. going in. And then when they said, yes, you should do this, I went away. And then after about a month or two, I came back and I said, I don't think it's four. I think it's six. <laughs> and they said, okay, absolutely, really? whatever you want. So this is just me and Bad Robot at this point. Yeah. And Warner Brothers, and uh, who's their um, uh, producing partner. Um, and then I went away for another month. I came back and I went, you know what? It's it's nine. It's nine. It's not six and it's not four. It's nine. What were you discovering in that time? I well, I was just... So I, so I had this office <laughs> and three walls of it were cork. And every inch of the cork was covered with index oh cards. And I had nothing in the office except for a desk and a chair. And I would walk around. It's the, like a serial killer. It's, tot- it's totally like the murder wall. It's completely... <laughs> Like, oh, look, here's my murder wall, which well, is good for Stephen King was generally. This, yeah, that's true. Was this a process of going through the book and pulling out scenes? Like, how were, how were you translating at that point? That's a great question. Um, I had read the book numerous times by then. Mm-hmm. A lot of it I would do from memory. I wouldn't sure. go through, I would go, what do I remember that I loved that and I would like that I can't live without? Yeah, what has to be. What there. has to, what has to be. What can't I wait to write? Yeah. You know, which That's is a really crazy. fun way yeah. to go about things. And I, oh, I can't wait to write this scene. Oh my God, this scene's amazing. Oh, the introduction to this character. What, you know, what so were some of those? Because uh, again, uh, like the series, how is it coming? Is it coming out episodically? It is. Okay. So it is. It is once. not all dropping at once. But as we said, the book is out there so people yeah. know. But yeah. without getting too spoilery, what, what were some of those scenes you couldn't wait to write? I couldn't wait to write the meeting of Sadie. So Jake Epping is played by James Franco. And I couldn't, and, and the meeting the meet cute as it were yeah. in Stephen King's book is really cute and very small town mm-hmm. and I knew we wanted to meet her earlier because mm-hmm. in the book he doesn't meet her for yeah. hundreds and hundreds of pages he has a lot of things to do before he meets her and I knew that for a series she was we would want to know who this character was right away even if she didn't have an initial you know, kind of hammering impact. Yeah. So I was very excited to, and, and Sarah Gaddon, the young woman playing um, Sadie, is so phenomenal. She is such a Hitchcock blonde. Yeah, absolutely. It's so she's just stunning, and they have great chemistry. So I was sort of like, I cannot wait to write that scene. And it was something that we I invented. Mm-hmm. Um, that was so that was a departure from the book because yeah. I moved it up so much. Um, Let's see. I was so um, 
I mean, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to read so much of it. I lo- the finale is one of the great pleasures, of, like writing pleasures mm-hmm. of my life. Oh, like, okay. I, I the the pilot was fun but hard mm-hmm. because there was so much to set up and sure. that goes immediately against the pace that I want. I'm like, but I have to go faster. Mm-hmm. But I want to go faster. But there, it's such a premise pilot, yeah. right? There's so much that we need to know. Well, I feel like even the book has that 100%. for the first hundred pages. One hundred. So. Is, really, is it more than that? It's been a <laughs> yes, while it since is. I read it. <laughs> yes, it is. I, and I mean, it, the, the one of the key things in the book that's, again, so fun and delicious to read Read, is that Jake? So you know the the conceit is that Jake is a high school teacher in Maine. It's present day, and he goes to this diner that's run by his friend all the time. And one day, his friend says, "Hey, come here, look in the back. I'm going to show you something." And he goes in the closet, and it's a time portal. So he goes through the time portal. In the book, it lands him in 1958. And he tries it a bunch of times in the book. He does a lot of test runs. So he tries it once. He tries it twice. He goes back and he lives there for three months to see if he can do a small thing. Then he comes. There's a lot of going and coming back. And it lends the rules of the world in the book huge authority because you understand you're living past, present, past, present with Jake. And in our show, I knew I was I was like, once you go through to the past, I wanted to be in the past. Yeah. Everybody wanted to be in the past. Yeah, just makes sense. Get there, get there, Absolutely. get going. What's happening? Right. Well, the and, mission is so and the strong. mission is so strong. Exactly. So you can so it lends the book incredible realism mm-hmm. of character that of course you would test it. Any, right. any sane person would go, <laughs> let me see if this happens and I don't get killed or I don't, you know, there's little toes in the water mm-hmm. because again, you're reading the book at your own pace, but yeah. we're watching the series at my pace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, everybody's got to go on my pace. <laughs> so that's, that informed my desire again for peace. It made me go, okay, no, you're going to go through yeah. one time for reals. He, you know, I think in the pilot we have him do very some very quick toes right. in the water, but he doesn't go over them. Which is all you need to kind absolutely. of Tell tell the audience what the premise is. Right. How this, well, how right. This exactly. And I think works. one of the great ple- visual pleasures of the book. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is a thing that I did look forward to filming, and I couldn't believe that we <laughs> made it happen. Was not only does he go back through the time portal. Every time you go back, it's exactly the same time. Mm-hmm. There's been a world reset. Yeah. So exactly the same people walk down I the street that. in the same order. Oh my God, filming that is so pleasurable. That's so cool. It's so hard, but it's so fun when you have 200 extras and everybody knows they have to be at the exact same place at the exact same time and it's vintage and (laughs) Kevin McDonald designed this beautiful shot to kind of take in the whole of the world. It, It was just... I really, I just loved it. Yeah, well, I felt sure. like that's a heart your, lift. your time the, travel kick. Well, that's yeah. exactly right. It <laughs> really was. Cool. And, and that's the thing. Like, you want to, I wanted to feel like it, like, that hopefully that you were in a documentary of time mm-hmm. travel. Like, this yeah. is what it feels like. It doesn't look like um, alien. You know, it does, right. there's nothing that's. Uh, there's no sparks, there's no lasers, there's no glue, <laughs> glowing blue lights, all of which are things that I like mm-hmm. in other movies. <laughs> sure. But 
I just didn't, I wanted it to be like, well, you step, you're here and now you're there. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I wanted well, it to be quotidian. Which and, is the perfect way to put, I mean, that's the thing we love about Stephen King. Yes. Right? Yes. It's the horror you go, I of rec- every day. That's right. And I, you, so you go, I recognize that person. Mm-hmm. I know that person. Yeah. I know that person who shines shoes. I know that person, that sales lady. Absolutely. I know that babysitter. <laughs> and it's all both normal and then it's you know like a door can open and you could be somewhere else I want to go down a little sidetrack here and talk about your relationship to Stephen King oh I hope we'll talk about that the whole time yeah let's get into it okay um when how old were you when you discovered his stuff way too young of course we all were right yes I told I told Stephen actually that really oh I, I said well, my dad introduced me, my dad, my father introduced me to your books far, far too young. And he said, good for him. <laughs> he must hear that all the time. Yes, exactly. I'm um, sure. Yeah. What so, was the gateway book for you? I think I have a top, my, I don't remember really what came first, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say it was either The Shining or Firestarter, both of which are favorites. Mm-hmm. Firestarter in particular is a huge favorite. Followed by The Dead Zone and Carrie. The Dead Zone, I actually feel like, is a kind of precursor to 1120, or a mirror mm-hmm. of, of 1122, 63. Sure. There's more specificity and larger epic themes mm-hmm. happening in 1122, 63. But The Dead Zone, I, I have an incredible fondness for. Um, Oh, I mean, I, you know, and I loved it all. I loved the Tommyknockers. I loved Cujo. I loved Eyes of the Dragon. Had the child, the one I that he... I never read that It's one. totally great. <laughs> it's completely great. It's great. I don't I, know. The word dragon turns me off. <laughs> I, I, well, dragons turn me off until Game of Thrones, so... Fair <laughs> and now I'm like, what's not Fair to like enough. about dragons? <laughs> They're adorable. <laughs> exactly. Um, Just ask Khaleesi. Yeah. <laughs> The Stephen King, so clearly, I mean, if you, you got into him too young and you stuck yes. with him through yes. the years, and I yes. imagine, you know, like me, you picked up everything he put out. Correct. All um, the short stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like at a certain point, especially as a writer, he becomes a complicated figure uh, in that he puts out a lot of stuff. Yes. And it's not all going to be winners. Right. And... You know, when you discover someone so young and you feel such an attachment, you you have high expectations mm-hmm. of that writer. Yeah. Uh, how did you, you know, grapple with, you know, some of that middle period stuff? And then he kind of, he's kind of come out, I think, a few books before 1122 yeah, as what, a different what, sort of me, novelist. I'll tell you, it's I know that that is common. I feel like what happened was... You know, I went to college and grad school, and I did. I would wouldn't actually have put it at the feet of Stephen King. I would have gone, oh, I was off discovering Joan Didion, and, right? You know, the and George Orwell. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess it's as your the things you consume. So, but the, the the thing is, I would actually say wild. that I yeah. So then I have a bit of a highbrow education, <laughs> and I you know consider my tastes more shaped by you know Maria Irene Fornes and <laughs> Sam Shepard and Paula Vogel. And then I came back to Stephen King and went, holy cow, he is an incredible writer. Mm -hmm. So with the things you're calling like his middle period for, you know, for him or us, Mm -hmm. um, the Dark Tower series, I missed completely. Me too. But it was not because 
I disdained it. Right. I just missed it. Yes. And, and, uh, it felt and like it was hard returned. to jump on that train. Yes. At a certain exactly. Point, I had the exactly. Experience. Oh, I mean, I can't believe I didn't bring up the stand. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stand is everything. <laughs> you know, it's everything. But really, Firestarter is my love. That's and smart. and uh, um, so I'm trying to think of what the book is. So this book, 1122, I can't remember what he had written more recently. He had, you know, he, I'd been reading his short stories again. Mm-hmm. He had, um, and of course, his book on writing, which yes. to, I mean, every writer that I speak to, people, you know, grasp my wrist really hard. Yeah. Oh, have you, you've read that one, right? And I'm like, yes, yes, yeah. of course I have. It's, it's profound. There's, um, yeah, there's something so fascinating about it because he's not he's not heady about no, the process. No. It's it feels very practical, but it's not a how to by any means. It's practical and I think what is appealing to me is it's emotional. Yeah, too. I guess that's what it is. It's, it's emotionally really, practical. Yes, yes. You know? It's really driven and and heartfelt. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that that comes through in his in that book. And um yeah, there's nothing about that was actually a really marvelous thing to discover is that he as a person is like his writing, not precious. Mm-hmm. There's nothing yeah, that's, I guess that's what it is. um, pressure. It's just, he's, he's right there. Mm-hmm. He's deeply, deeply engaged. Um, he, I, I actually still pinch myself almost every day that we are friends and we that's email so each cool. other and that, he, he, you know, we spoke and about what would happen with this series, and he was the best kind of, you know, he's the he is the parent of that book, mm-hmm. and then he becomes like the greatest godparent of a series. That's in really that great. he was involved. He read every draft of everything. He watched every cut. Wow. And he was just an incredible cheerleader. So, um, he he was he was like the ultimate you know if I'm going to steal from improv like the ultimate yes and uh-huh. he would go yeah that yes <laughs> great I love that because I would sometimes compress things or cut things sure. or dip, you know all in service for me I just was tried to be very open and clear about everything that I loved about the book and I was like I'm going to get everything I love about this book. Mm-hmm into the best dramatic form that I can make it. And if it doesn't serve the story dramatically, then I'm going to leave it behind. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, you know, let you know. Yeah. And you get, you know, of course you get to win. And he, there was, there was never a, there was never a no. That's awesome. Bless him. What a great feeling. It was, it was and it is. Was I there, so lucky. was there stuff that you brought out of the book, like that, that surprised him? Or that surprised you, I should say. Yes. Yeah. I would say one of the big, um, going back to a little piece that we, um, a little, um, an element that you and I just talked about a minute ago, the voiceover. Mm-hmm. Um, so JJ said to me, I don't know if that's going <laughs> to yeah, uh, be insane. Uh, you're okay. um, JJ said, once I, once I said, I'm not, I don't think that voiceover is mm. going to be the way to serve this story, JJ said, he needs someone to talk to. <laughs> and, you know, he needs somebody around. And I went, okay, okay, I'm going to think about who that is. And I went through 
one or two iterations of who that person, essentially a sidekick, would be. And then, and so at first I invented somebody and kind of pitched that character, and JJ was kind of like, mm, not sure that that's it. And then I went and I went, okay, you know what, this book it has everything that I like in it. What's in the book? And I found a character in the book named Bill Turcotte, who has a very significant but extremely small effect on Jake in a dramatic moment. Um, he's, you know, basically becomes an obstacle to Jake when Jake is trying to stop a murder. And I thought, that's really interesting. What if this this guy, Bill Turcotte, is a different kind of fellow altogether? And I kind of thought, who, who does Jake need? And I thought, Jake needs somebody younger, and I thought maybe a little more callow, because he is going to have to tell that young person, young man, I'm from the future, and I'm doing a thing here. <laughs> and I thought I wanted it to be sort of almost like a farm boy, a, like a young yeah. farm boy of the 60s. So Bill Turcotte in the book is a middle-aged or older man, and he threatens um, Jake, and he has a great backstory. And so I took his backstory, and I put it to, you know, like a 21-year-old mm-hmm. kid in Kentucky who serves as that obstacle to Jake. And then I thought, I want him to fall in love with Jake. <laughs> Not romantic love, right. but great lo- the love that everybody in the entire world has for James Franco, <laughs> which is you meet James Franco and you want him to listen to you and you want him to talk to you and you look at him and you go, I wish I had a jacket like that. Oh my God. And I just thought that is the person who makes sense to be Jake's sidekick. And so that, so I kind of took a character that existed in Stephen King's book and I remolded him Mm -hmm. and I said, this is who he is. This is what he does. This is why he has to be there. And he has to be there for hours before we've ever met him. And this is what he's going to mean in the end. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be there then with, and Stephen King was surprised and extremely supportive J.J. was really happy. I was really happy. And we got a brilliant young actor, yeah. George Mackay, to play him, who is great. Is great. <laughs> Where did he come from? Has he, had he done some stuff? Yeah, he had. And funnily enough, although I didn't know it, I only knew it kind of afterwards. It was mm-hmm. his audition that, you know, on tape right. that sold us. And uh, But Kevin McDonald, the director of the pilot mm-hmm. and of um, the executive producer for the pilot as well, Kevin and I were real compadres and pals and Kevin had directed him in his movie a couple of years ago called How I Live Now so he knew him but he didn't find he went oh yeah George is good he was sort of surprised too and 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 he was just it was just like finding a lottery ticket he's incredible (laughs) incredible he's so appealing he is such he's so he has such strength of character but he's such a he's like an open beating heart walking mm-hmm. around you just care yeah. about him so much he's yeah he's, and there's he carries such pain he just has a lot written on his face mm-hmm. and um i adore him there was something him. about and this is you know jumping ahead a little bit but yeah. the casting of the whole mm. show mm. that franco is really the only recognizable yes. guy 
Well, Chris uh, Cooper. Sure. Yes. But Chris Cooper is also an everyman, right? Yeah, like, that's true. He's had his whole career yes. playing... Yeah, characters. Yeah, that's right. always been a character yeah. actor. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was an interesting choice, because, I mean, that the Sadie character could have gone to a much bigger name. Correct. Um, but I don't think it would have worked as well. Oh, I'm glad to hear you say that. I agree with you. I And I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I that was... Um, I think, you know, Hulu... And Bad Robot, I think, are always inter- and are always interested in talent, you know, mm-hmm. talent, experience, and, and marquee name. I don't think anybody was averse to that at all by sure. any stretch. But I will say that Sarah Gaddon's audition won her the role. Wow, that's great. So really we were, great. it was, we just went there. There it is. So yes, James Franco is our is our star. And there, uh, there's something about being immersed in this world. And not yeah. being taken out of it. Well, by I'll tell you where I felt. You're a hundred percent right about that. And I will say that I felt that that the, the one place I would have gone to the mat had anybody said, "What if we have Gary Oldman again as Lee Harvey Oswald?" You know, or, <laughs> right? I mean, so I, I say that only because right. he just killed it in sure. J, the movie JFK. Absolutely. I I really went. This is not a show where you want to say, "Oh my gosh." X, it, Casey Affleck is doing such a good job as this historical character. I, I thought, no, I want you to just be thinking, I want us to live in the 60s. Yeah. Not live in our show of the 60s. Even 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 though that might sound like it's splitting hairs. No, no, not sure at all. Is. I think it's not at all. It makes a big difference. I, it does to me, watching. Because um, I, I like acting virtuosity, too. Yeah, I'm absolutely seduced by it. And I again, I just thought that's that's not the kind of that's not the story that I want to make. And I will also say I think that James Franco does a fantastic job of becoming every man. Oh, for as, sure. You know, as much as I think he it's a wonderful as much as he can, as as he can being James Franco. But you know, I, really but I think he, he's a really good actor. But he also is you. I believe him as a fellow in the world with natural charisma. Mm-hmm. You yes, know, I absolutely. don't. I don't think here's a movie star slumming it. Mm-hmm. I, I really love the work that he did in this. There's something interesting about, and I, I assume this came from the scripts, but about maintaining Jake's intensity. Mm. You know, like, and I remember feeling this in reading the book too, that like he couldn't be so focused on the mission. Yes, that you don't believe or you get mad at him for falling in love and having a life. Right. You know? Right. Um, but that's a hard line to walk plot-wise. Yes. Because you do want to move your story forward. Yeah. I mean, how, how did you start to break up these pieces? Once you knew how many it would be, mm-hmm. uh, and once you had your serial killer court board with all the scenes thrown out, what was the next step? Was a pilot written or did you put the room together first? I wrote the pilot and put the room together simultaneously. And every episode was... So I actually, before I hired um, our beautiful room, named... The killer room. It was a great... It was... I miss those, everybody, so much. Uh, Quentin Peebles, Brian Nelson, Bridget Hales, and Joe Henderson. Mm -hmm. And um, before I hired them, I wrote a Bible. Mm -hmm. Or I... Yeah, I guess you'd call it a Bible. I wrote the show from beginning to end in prose. So it was a 40 or 50 page document. It was, I thought when I wrote it, it would like, I thought it would be uh, uh, four episodes. I was like, well, it'll be 10 or 15 pages and then 50. And I just realized this was going to help all of us. Yeah. Um, and when I say all of us, I mean, 
Warner Brothers, Bad Robot, and eventually Hulu. Underst- I, I think it's so important to go to keep checking in with everybody, saying, "I want to make this show. Is this the show you want to make?" Right. Especially when all the pieces are coming together. And I thought, if I write a really detailed Bible, this will help yeah, they're get us know there. Exactly. What exactly. They're so I thought. So exactly. Sure. So it was a really finely broken out season. Yeah. Uh, uh, How long was it? I think it was like 50 pages. <laughs> I mean... And did this, this iteration, by this time you had figured out, Bill, you had figured all out... All the what? characters. I knew all of my main okay. characters. I knew how we were going to start. I knew that I wanted a two-hour pilot and wanted and needed a two-hour pilot. Mm-hmm. I knew that there were going to be seven episodes to follow the two-hour pilot. Each would be about an hour long. And, and to Bad Robot and Warner Brothers and Hulu's deep, everlasting credit, everyone kept saying to me, make it as long as you want it to be. Wow. They didn't, they didn't go, can't you make it 13, or could you please make it 6? Mm-hmm. Everyone just said, how long do you think it needs to be, which was great. so yeah. wonderful. That's crazy. I, yeah, I'm, I was very spoiled. Dictate. Yes, no, that's right. It was, how it was weird. Really sp- <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> um, so, But you've also, I mean, we should say, like, yeah. you did Red Road, right, mm-hmm. which was six, six episodes. that's right. And you've done Friday Night Lights, yeah. and the, which have gone to 20. Yeah, no, that's 22. right. You know, when we started so, like, Friday Night Lights, it was 22. You know, and you're used to would have been spinning out story no, that's or right. condensing story. Yes, yes. yes. And, yeah, no, no, that's right. It's, in my, it's now in my TV DNA. No, and I think it's, I'm, I'm sure that you've had the experience, too, as you you know, write or uh, beat out or uh, outline a whole first episode of a series, and then you go, oh, that's the first scene of Act One. Yeah. Now we have to write the real <laughs> first episode. Like, you write a whole thing, and you go, oh, oh. no, all of that can be, and you, your shoulders slump, but then you go, no, that's the right thing. Yeah. I don't need to spend that long yeah, on this. Absolutely. Sometimes you have to write an hour to realize that is five minutes of show that you have written. <laughs> but it's not a waste of time. No. Because you have no, to do it's it. Not. As part of the no, it's not. Um, so, so, so you have this 50 page I Bible. I had this 50 page Bible. So that was really fun because I basically, Hulu read that and bought the show and said, we want to do it. There's no pilot. We'll just do the whole series. Was it taken elsewhere? Yes. We went to, we we pitched to HBO and Showtime and Hulu and Netflix. And I, and Hulu just came to the table and said, we'll make the whole thing right now, which is heaven. And I really like them there. (laughs) Not only because they said we all, we all still like each other. I'm going to say. That's great. Um, No, I've, I've only heard good things. Uh, from the way they're developing and the, the creative freedom that they give. Yeah. The kinds of notes that they give. Yes. That's no. Great. Very, very creative friendly, for sure. That's great. Um, now I forgot what the question was. Um, so you started writing the oh, first so, episode. So then I, so I had the Bible. I started meeting writers, mm-hmm. and all the writers could read the Bible. Okay. So I met, so that was so either they had the people who had read the book you could read the book but it's not really fair to ask somebody to read an 850 page book yeah but that book flies oh it really say. does you like, could you a, could yeah it's a great read. that's a, a it's a barn burner I said that the whole time <laughs> but I imagine so, the Bible but, did too <laughs> yes yes exactly but even you know it burned your hands holding it <laughs> but so that was it kind of was like a good cheat sheet it was good sure. cliff notes for meetings. As it turned out, I did end up... I didn't want to punish people who hadn't read the book. Mm-hmm. 
But everybody that I end up hiring had read and had a take on the book. Sure, as a habit, it does. It did make sense. Um, what what kinds of writing? What kind of room were you looking to put together? I mean, you you've done this before. Yep. Um, I was looking. I imagine it differs by project. Yes. <clears throat> For this one, yeah, I had really specific desires. I wanted it to be small. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be a mature room. Hmm. Um, not old because I am a spring chicken, but um, I wanted a room of experienced professionals um, because I was bringing so much material to the table. Mm-hmm. So I wanted people who loved that material, had a take on the material, and had um, a real sense of craft. Mm-hmm. And to me, your voice as a writer is already stipulated. Like, I'm not really, I, I really, voice is what gets you in the door as far as I'm concerned. Because as it happened, I ended up hiring one writer who, had, this was her first job, Bridget Hales, and it was absolutely her voice. Because I had said to everybody who would listen, please, I don't, this is not a show where I'm going to, because there's just not going to be, um, that many scripts for people. Sure. You know, there, I knew it was going to be nine episodes. I knew I was going to write as many of them as I could, um, perhaps most of them. But I wanted people who really brought a lot of self to mm-hmm. the table. And um, In the script, though, yeah, more than in the room, it sounds like, because you knew what the story was. I think that because I knew what the story was, I wanted more of people in the room. I wanted people's voices to... Absolutely. Because because I think that this material was so strong, Mm -hmm. it could take it. Yeah, that's true. It exists. The structure was there. The structure, the architecture was there. Stephen King had given us our story and the kind of baseline of who our characters were. I had reshaped it to the kind of pace that I wanted it to be. And now I, you know, I wanted to do like that thing, the thing that Ed Harris does in Apollo 13. And he dumps it all out on the table and he goes, this is what we got. This, what are we going to make with this stuff? (laughs) Um, Because, and so what act the great thing, I don't know whether I'll ever be able to do this again, but it was really, really fun. I had written a draft of the pilot. Everybody read the Bible first week I said I'm going to pitch the pilot as it's written to you guys mm-hmm. so you guys can just hear how it goes before we before we read it right. and I pitched it out we talked it through we tinkered a little bit people started kind of a little ratchet here a hammer yeah. there and then I put that away and I said okay I'm going to continue writing it and then I said now I want to pitch the finale and I, we skipped all the minutes. Because, everybody, again, everybody had read, read the Bible. Right. So it wasn't like people were like, how did we get here? Right. And everybody had read the, read the book. So we, I pitched the finale. We worked hard on the finale. Mm-hmm. But we didn't overdo the detail. Sure. Because we knew that's six months from now. Right. That we're all going to really, we're going to discover it. Exactly. And then we went back and looked at the pilot again. <laughs> and then we started with episode two. It was so fun. It was so fun. It was so rewarding. It really allowed us to build things that we wanted to make sure were always there. Mm-hmm. And we all knew where we were driving. Mm-hmm. And we went, how, how do we keep that car going? 
how do we keep that car going? Fat. Or actually, forget the car. It was the train. Yeah. We wanted the train. Absolutely. So. It's funny. That's how it went. Hearing, I mean, that makes so much sense. First of all, just as a way to run room, to have everyone on the same page so early and pitching in. So, like, they had to be into it so fast. Yes. Uh, emotionally into it so fast, yeah. too. Yeah. But there's also something really funny about, you know, you talk about liking time travel movies or time travel stories mm-hmm. and heist stories and cons. Yes. Like, that's the structure you need to make those things. Yes. And everybody, everybody in that room had a really strong sense of craft story People could talk about things. At, there was a great, there was a wonderful facility, mm-hmm. so that Joe Henderson would say, um, "Okay, well, if this were an episode of Alias, we'd break it out like this." Mm-hmm. And then Quentin might say, "If this were a Pixar movie, <laughs> it might look like this." And so it was never about kind of privileging which thing was better. It was what's the device that we need at this Mm. moment to make our train go fastest. Um, You know, Brian Nelson would, you know, say, I just finished um, the book Dallas 1963, and in that book, this chapter begins with it. You know, there was a lot, people brought everything to the table, and that's what what I mean when I say I'm looking for self, Mm -hmm. because it's not just people going, how do we tinker with this novel? That's, again, a given. We all love Stephen King. We all love J.J. Abrams and the kind of um, genre that he mm-hmm. has, he brings to the table. And we all love this novel. And then we have ourselves. Absolutely. And we have to make a new thing and, and make it just work as well as that story can work. Well, that's the best use of a room. Right? Uh, I mean, I feel yes. like the last time we talked, you were probably finishing up on Parenthood. Yeah, I think that's uh, right. And so you had yeah. been in these Catum's rooms yes. for years. Yeah. And, and it feels like that had to have come from that. Um, I mean, I know those were very emotionally honest. Yes, that's right. A lot of crying. Those, yes, I yeah. I cried a lot. <laughs> I, cry- I think I cried... I think I cried once. I think I cried once. And, but You're I, I, tougher than a lot of those other writers. That's right. No, no, no. I mean on this show. Oh, at Parenthood show. and Friday Night Lights, I cried all the time. But I was also pregnant during those two, each twice. During each, I was pregnant once in Friday Night Lights and once in Parenthood. So there was a lot, there were whole pitches that I would do crying. I would cry the whole way through. And I just decided to think of that as... A, a help, an extra selling device. I was like, see, look, my wow. face is a pumpkin Shameless. and <laughs> tears are pouring down. You'll pull out anything to sell no. your idea. <laughs> You'll have a baby to I sell tried, your Yes, that's right. I really tried to put a lid on that. No, I think, I think I cried once during, now I'm, maybe I didn't. I think now I'm like, oh my God, what's happened to me? It's so hard and cold now in the Hollywood Stephen King universe. <laughs> Actually, I cried when I met Stephen King. So. Did you really? Oh, oh I, are you God. kidding me? That's yes. Awesome. He he really he was so kind. I you know my voice cracked and I said, you know, I would be remiss if I did not tell you how much this has meant to me. And then simultaneously, I was thinking. He's trusting you with his series. Don't act like a baby. <laughs> cool it. Cool it. 
lady. You're professional. So I, I did. I pulled it together that after that. Hilarious. He forgave me. So. <laughs> uh, but this this way of running a room yeah. uh, is something I'm curious to hear about. Mm. Um, because you've been in, as I said, you were in the Catum's rooms for a while. But yes. you'd done a bunch of stuff before that, too. So you've been in a few different kinds of rooms. Yeah. What have you kind of drawn from all of those that you applied to Red Road and then to 1122? Um. I like regular hours. <laughs> I'm I'm driven <laughs> by regular bankers' hours. I feel like this is more and more something I'm hearing, and I think it's as you know, our generation starts to take over shows. I it's, yeah. We don't we're a little healthier mentally? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't want to. <laughs> you know, I'm sure that there are amazing stories being told in rooms where people want to stay up all night. Right. I, but that's just not my room. <laughs> I I I, lo- I feel also that like writing it, it is a marathon, not a sprint. You have I need, I need sleep. I need I need energy and life to sleep. And I assume that the writers who want to work on the show do too. So I'm really driven by everybody showing up by ten. We work and we eat lunch together. Doing the work. Though. Doing the, really work. Do the work. Absolutely. Show up ready to go. And I, it's such a, I love it. I don't like people, I don't like it when um, you're kind of able to tune out in a room. That's, that's, which is why I tend to lean towards smaller rooms. I want everybody to feel um, ownership. Mm -hmm. I want everybody to feel protected. I am not afraid of a bad idea. I myself am not afraid of a bad idea, so I want everybody to pitch a bad idea so we can start hearing what the right ideas are. Um, yeah, I want a room where it's safe for you to propose you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I want to go home at five. <laughs> and, Be human for a little bit. And exactly, and have the rest of your life. And, um, I'm trying to think of how, what else have I, have I, that, that, that's my beginning. That's I, my beginning. Yeah, I kind of feel like strong. that's, that's it. Oh, and I'm, I'm, um, I'm anti-phone in room. No, no, no phone. No phone in room. That's become a hard thing. I, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. I, I mean, like, what, I mean, just dealing with people having. But the then phone you say that for, I, to me. I say that for you know. For actually, you know, it's funny. I have to say, I, I said that on the Red Road, and we all adhered to it, mm-hmm. and it was never a problem. And I didn't say it on eleven twenty two sixty. I don't remember saying anything, mm-hmm. and it never was a problem. Hmm. That's great. No, it was just there was a kind of inherent understanding of. We're, nobody needs to check that this is where we need to be. Nobody, you know. So, well, as you say, you have put together a mature room. Yes, yes. It, it was. Away. It was. Yeah. It was. It was a room. Really. Oh, I just miss everybody so much. <laughs> I, I do so much, and they're all just doing such great things now too. But you'll so. do another season, right? Eleven thirty-three. <laughs> <laughs> right. What? What are the other great twenty-two? <laughs> I'm like, wait, but there's all. Oh, no, no, it's over. I mean, that's it's an interesting over. thing to contend with also, mm. is knowing, like, this is it. We're telling this story in these episodes. That made it great to really? me. That made it great. Not, saving nothing. Yeah. Saving that nothing. Don't leave it, you know, like, the, as we said in Friday Night Lights, leave, leave your shoes in the field. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah that was um, made it great, great fun. At what point did Franco get involved? And did that change anything for your idea of Jake? 
Uh, he got involved very early. He is a producer on the series, and he directed an episode. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and in fact, his initial Which take, episode did he do? He directed... Have you, how many have you watched? I watched all of them. Oh, you did? Yeah. He directed six. Oh, He directed, nice. yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy. I didn't realize that you had, you had watched all of them. Um, oh, yeah, I will say, I watched it with my wife, who could not get enough. Oh, she, and so she hadn't read the book, <gasps> and I had. So it was, it was different experiences watching it, um, but man, she was hooked in. I'm thrilled to hear. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hold on. I just need to take a moment. I'm taking a minute. I'm very excited about that. Um, he got involved early. He initially said, I want to direct three episodes. And I said, no. <laughs> and he said, but I can do a lot of, I should direct three episodes. And I said, you are in every frame. That cannot yeah. happen. And um, then he was uh, uh, convinced to direct just one episode. And now that he has directed one episode, I think he probably could have directed more than one. Really? I can't believe that I'm saying that. And Funny. and it all worked out as it should because we had marvelous directors yeah. for every episode. But, um... Yeah, he did a really incredible job, and he was so prepared, and I didn't really understand how he was going to prepare, and he was on point, and he finished his days on time, and he was great. So he, so, but that's not what you asked. You asked how how early you got involved. So you were already on board by the time he got involved. Yes, no, we... So you've been thinking about this character. We had. I am not, I am not very often an actor imaginer. Mm. I, I very rarely imagine actors. Sure. I, I just lives in my head, and um, it's sort of an amorphous being with yes. wills and yes. And it has like I like I would say the most my characters ha- have for me is um, like a percussion. Mm-hmm. I'm like this is a staccato character. This is a legato character. <laughs> um, so I did not have a person in mind, and then. James Franco had tweeted about 112263. What? And the writer's room told me, they said, James Franco tweeted. And I went, what are oh, so you, you talking had the about? Room we had the room. Okay. So we had the room. We were working away through episodes. Um, he had tweeted, um, man, I just read 112263 and I tried to option it, but it turns out that JJ has the uh, option. That guy has all the fun or something like that. And we all went, we have to find out if JJ knows about the tweet. We have to find out. And he did know about the tweet. Sure. And he reached out, and they had a, JJ and James That's had a conversation. Funny. So very quickly, James Franco said, yeah, I'm free. I'd like to do that. Which I, we just all couldn't believe it. Yeah. We could not believe it, especially because he's, you know, not only just such a polymath, but He's not free very often. That that was my feeling watching it. It was it was huge. I mean, he moved to Toronto for six months. I mean, it was remarkable. It was remarkable. He's and I will say he did not stay there on weekends. (laughs) He didn't stay there. He would leave and go and direct a short, or he would teach a class, or he he is he is an unbelievably hardworking um, human being and and a true. So then he and I, so he and JJ had spoken. He signed on, and then he and I met and talked for a couple of hours about the character and what I, you know, how we saw the story playing out. And and he he was just, um, I would say, a remarkable collaborator. That's really. Great. Were there things really, that he brought to the character in that conversation that you didn't expect or I were was, happy to discover? Um, 
I asked him why he wanted to play him. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think I, I think I took him aback because I went because when we first met, I went, "What do you think happened to the Kennedy assassination?" <laughs> oh, and he no. was like, "What?" <laughs> and I went, "I don't know. Do you have a theory? I, maybe that was his way in." <laughs> but uh, I asked him, "Yeah, why?" Well, he cared about this character, and it was really, um, it surprised me, but now it doesn't surprise me, knowing him a little bit. But he said, well, I, I just like that he's ordinary, and, um, you know, he's a teacher, and I'm a teacher. And the truth is, I have actually, of all the things that I can see that make James Franco light up, it's talking about teaching. Wow. And he has a real passion for it and he's deeply engaged in it and that surprised me and it and it made us thought of think about that character Hmm. in a very particular way so he and I talked about that and then I talked about that with the room and so we did like that kind of small bit of small clean bit of groundedness because it was not like we were sending a spy back in time or somebody who knew how to handle firearms (laughs) or even had a particularly deep working knowledge of the theories of the assassination. Mm -hmm. I thought that's going to be interesting if he's like us. Yeah. That's, that's really key to the book and to the Well, that's right. And in fact, we, yeah, in the book, it's so fun to read Al's dossier mm-hmm. through Jake. Yes. And it's really satisfying that he's has this kind of tangible little piece. But that was something that I decided to take away from him early. Because mm-hmm. I thought, you know what, that's easy. I mean, not easy, but it right. makes it a lot, makes that path yeah. a lot clearer. It's like you have And Google I thought, trap him. That's exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. Knowing what you, it's already, you're already from the present. Right. You already know exactly. a lot. You know a lot. You get some of the bets that you could make. And that's then, an interesting thing, too. I mean, it goes against a lot of what... TV has done in the past few years of here's an extraordinary person. Yes. Here's his special power. Yes. And Jake, which I think is sort of in many ways a throwback and it's a much more literary thing Mm. to have an ordinary person in an extraordinary situation. That is absolutely right. And I have to say that the thing I found that I went back to time and again when I thought about the story. Time and again, I get it. Uh, <laughs> it just flows out of me, Ben. I'm sorry. sorry. I can't I'm stomp sorry. on the meat. <laughs> what were you going to say? It would hurt me. <laughs> um, what kind of kept coming back to me over and over again is that even though this character goes on an epic journey, I feel like it's a story about love Mm -hmm. and he has to do and that's the most common thing in the world is birth love and death that's that's what we got and that made me feel so happy that it's was that that there were so many tropes in the story that i loved there's you know suspense and chases and spy work and time travel (laughs) but there's a real elemental quality to it at the end of the day if you kind of peel away the idea of like well what are we here for mm-hmm. I, that was really it remains really satisfying that's to an me interesting to thing about. to hear and and that absolutely comes across oh good so that this is this this is the theme at its core mm-hmm. uh, is this is a love story yeah um, and especially in that finale great stuff I mean the last 20 minutes even 
Oh my god. Anyway, um, but there's yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's an. It's an interesting thing to hear you talk about because I don't think that's exactly what's in the book. I think that is that is something that you and the writers brought to it. Mm. Um, and I feel like this was something I wanted to talk a little mm. about. Is the book was very interested in the theme of America, of yes. what it what the assassination meant yes. to America, and mm-hmm. it's explored really beautifully in an interesting way in King's book. Mm. But it felt like. That wasn't something you guys were particularly interested in thematically. Mm. It would have felt like almost too much, like a heavy layer that you didn't need on this personal story. Was there there conversation about that? I love that distinction. I don't think that we had that conversation quite specifically, although we did talk about about love and, Mm. and about... I would say that the way that we thought about two things, two two things come to mind when when I think about what you just said. The first is that you know I and and the, all the writers in the room love the movie JFK, mm-hmm. and everybody had watched it again recently. It completely holds up as We're a watching it as an incredible. <laughs> it totally holds up as a. It, I can't believe it's twenty years old. Yeah. It's a completely compelling, brilliantly made film. And it explores the mysteries and the um, contradictions and the complications and the tragedy of not knowing so well. And I never felt that that was what King's book Mm -hmm. was about. Although I I think you're 100% right that it was about America for him. But that that aspect of exploring what happened, what really happened, which I think a lot of people opened the book thinking that's what it was going to be. Exactly right. I loved the way he dealt with it, and you guys did the same. Yes. It's like, that's not what this is about. That's not what it's about. It helps drive the plot a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Because it's a a great American mystery, you know, and and along with being a great American tragedy. Maybe one of the greatest. From a nuts and bolts angle. It helps you give structure to your story. Yes. It's, we have to find out. Yes. If we must know. Wrong. I must know that. That's right. Did we talk? I would say the closest we came to, it, it is absolutely true that I did not, I was not interested in making a story about America. Mm-hmm. I was interested in making a story that actions have consequences, mm-hmm. whatever the action may be, and that people mean something. That's that's, cool. that's what I came to, yeah. and I do think that that's in the book. Although I think that you're right in that it's, I mean, I think I gleaned that from the book. I don't think I made that up. Yeah, I, sure. I would but it's privilege myself. Out. That's what meant the most yeah. to me. That's really you know that's what made me cry in the book, yeah. and I think that I would say that that's the thing that makes me cry, and keeps me tethered to time travel stories. Mm-hmm. Is about is what I'm doing mattering. <laughs> Yeah. Is would if really I went back and I did it differently, would it matter in a better way or a worse way? I, I think that th- those are the things that that mean something to me. And I definitely hope that your choices and who you choose to love and how you choose to treat them also matter. Mm-hmm. That to me feels evergreen, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Well for sure. And I think I think people are going to be able to pull that out of the show and, and have a deeper experience because of because all, you you guys use all those thematic elements and they clearly mean something to you. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's wrap up with a few things. What 
What are you working on now? I know it's only um, been a little while. It has only been a little while. I'm get I I ha- uh, I am working on a musical. I have a musical what? opening this year. Congratulations! On, what on, is this? Uh, it is the musical for Disney theatricals called Freaky Friday. No way! And I'm writing Freaky Friday with uh, Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkey. And How did this happen? This has been happening for years, actually. I'm We've been sure. working on it for many years, and uh, a couple years, actually, I should say. And uh, we will have our pilot production in um, at Signature Theater mm-hmm. in October. So oh, we'll have a workshop in a few months and tinker with some songs. So I'm, I'm a song and dance man now. <laughs> <laughs> how, did that, how did that come? I mean, never mind how you got involved with it, yeah. but the, the actual writing of it. Did it come easily? Is this a world that you are were familiar with? Was it a new um, language for you? Yes and no. You had done some playwriting. I had yes. I've been a playwright my whole life. Yeah. Although that's different than musical collaboration, mm-hmm. and it's musicals are definitely where I'm most interested in when I'm doing theater now. Mm-hmm. Um, I love music. My husband is a songwriter. I write songs every once in a while. Um, I have a song in the movie Dear Dumb Diary, in case any of your listeners what? care to rent that movie. It's available on iTunes. That's awesome. <laughs> Listen, you write a song and it gets out there. That's exciting. It's in, it's in a movie. Really it's a cool. song sung in a movie. <laughs> um, so it is it is hard, um, but it is it's it's really joyous. It there's there are few things more um, satisfying than getting to be in a room with a piano all day. Um, that's really heavenly. Um, but it is hard because what ends up happening is you'll I'll write a scene and then we'll start cannibalizing part of that scene mm-hmm. for the song and then you take it away and then it's all in the song but you still need a scene <laughs> and then you have to write a scene and really that yeah. scene should just be half a page instead of the five pages you thought it should be so it's definitely about for me taking I'm a huge overwriter mm-hmm. and so it's overwrite and then cut 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 That's cut 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 it's it's bracing <laughs> I would say <laughs> That's really interesting. I want to get into this sometime. Will you yes. come back on and we'll talk oh about Oh, my gosh. I, lo- I love it. So that's what I'm doing, and I'm also looking for jobs. So if anybody <laughs> has a job for me, I'll, I'll, I'll talk with them. Great. <laughs> great they, are benefits. they benefits? Oh, okay. Yeah, great Good. benefits. Good. I highly recommend. Right. Um, let's, uh, instead of asking you what you were watching, mm. which I will do, but All right. what are your time travel movies? What are your con movies? What are your heist movies? What are the stuff, or, or stories? Top, I mean, what is stuff you will recommend to people? I love, I, I mean, I will go get Primer. That mm. is, is one of the, it's so, so good. It's I've watched mesmerizing. It. It's mesmerizing. I, I think that that guy is a genius. I, there's... <laughs> hold for laughs. It's theater, hold for the laugh. And time. <laughs> um... My favorite thing to do, actually, with Primer, I'll, I'll just leave it at Primer, but I would okay. say watch Primer with the director commentary. Really? Oh, he is so good, because that one, my favorite thing in it is, you know, he made that for zero dollars. I mean, I think he made that movie for $7,000, if yes. I remember correctly. Yes. And he no. filmed it, so it was on film stock, oh, and wow. he said, it was not digital, and he said 
in the director commentary, he says at one point, look in this scene. So he's starring in it and he wrote it and he directed it. And he said, in this scene, actually we had so little time. You can see my lips say cut. So he's in the scene, he's doing the scene and then you'll hear cut. (laughs) (laughs) It is incredible. I just love that kind of craft detail. Mm -hmm. And just to think about, his brain and creativity, how he's editing it as he's yeah. making it. It's, it's so virtuosic. So I think that's a wonderful time travel story. I think going back and renting Christopher Reeve in Somewhere mm-hmm. in Time is right. the greatest tearjerker of all time. It's so moving. And, I mean, for more recent, Looper. Looper's phenomenal. Yeah. So good. Jordan, Jordan Joseph Gordon, Jordan. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt can do no wrong. He's remarkable. Yeah, he's and Ryan Johnson. And Ryan Johnson is in... He's a wonderful, wonderful director and creator. That's right. Um, okay, so then heist movies. Um, I like The Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. Oh, that's a good one. Really good. Yeah. Um, that's a great sort of... Every man, a hundred percent. That's a good one. I yeah. love that. I mean, they don't make movies like that. No, like it's a pre-Die Hard sort of yes. action heist movie. Yes, where really it's, satisfying. Walter Matthau. Yes, yes. As a hero, exactly. Great. And Khan, I'm going to go with Matchstick Men. I like Matchstick Men. Seen that in a long time. I haven't seen that in a long time. But that, I remember going. Ooh. That was a good. Con- oh, in the movie, um, The Lookout. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful movie. Both kind of a heist and a con. Was the look sort of Jogo? Also? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you say? We, we do now. J Law and Jogo. Let's have them both in a movie together. <laughs> J Law Jogo. <laughs> um, what are you watching on TV these days? Um, what do you enjoy? High maintenance. I haven't watched it yet. Oh. I keep hearing how funny it is. It's actually, I feel like it's kind of everything. I mean, yeah, I'm watching, I've just watched all of those on Vimeo. Um, I feel like it, it's Chekhovian. I feel like that those writer directors are making the most beautiful short stories that can be made. I'm, I'm so consistently captivated. Um, I just watched all of Mr. Robot. I just I'm almost finishing Letting Go. Mm-hmm. You know that on HBO. I love that show. They're brilliant. Um, and I'm, like everyone else, I'm waiting for Game of Thrones and House of Cards to start again. Sure. I'm not special. <laughs> I don't have special things that I like. I like things that everybody likes. Strongly disagree. Very special. Thank you for talking with me <laughs> oh, today. Thank you for watching um, the show and oh my God, it's, having it's really such good. good thoughts about um, it. 112263 premieres on Hulu. When? February 15th, President's Day. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Thank <laughs> you.